Hello, and thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Billy Newman Photo Podcast. I was thinking today, I went to my local film store, my local camera store, dot dots and here in Eugene, and I dropped off a roll of Ektar film, this 100-speed Ektar film that, I, that I'm recently finished, I guess kind of uh, sometime in June here. I finished the roll while I was shooting a, a Nikon N80 camera I, uh, with a 50-millimeter lens. I just dropped it off to get it developed, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't do the, the scanning anymore. I kind of got tired of that. I, I wanted to shift over to a more modern digital system, but I like shooting film. I dropped it off at Dot Dotson's. They do sort of a 24-hour-ish uh, you know, return time, which is great. It's fantastic. But, um, I said, well, Hey, like, uh, do the develop only. I don't need the prints, but I do want a digital version. So, so do a CD, print up the CD for me. But now optical media is so rare. I don't have a CD drive. I don't have a CD drive in the house. I have, I have a computer over here, uh, set aside or, you know, like an old desktop computer, one that's kind of in the closet. I'm going to pull it out, plug it in just so I can put the CD in it get those photos off, put them on a thumb drive and then transfer them over to my computer. So kind of one of those funny things where you think you're in a system and then part of the system starts to get antiquated and made obsolescent. And now we're in a place just a few years after the millennium where optical disk drives, all of that stuff, all those trillions of dollars, I'm sure that were invested in creating this technology of optical disks has now become obsolete and kind of turned into something you can hardly use. So uh, so kind of a funny system how that works out. But have a CD right now and a set of negatives of some really cool photos that I've taken between kind of like March, April, May of this year that I shot on film. So excited to put those up here soon. You can see more of my work at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. You can check out some of my photo books on Amazon. I think you can look up uh, Billy Newman under the authors section there and see uh, some of the photo books on film, on the desert, on surrealism, on camping. Some cool stuff over there. This image, uh, that was a quick screenshot or a quick capture that we made around the campsite uh, near Lone Pine, California in the Alabama hills. And it was a really cool campsite. I think we stayed there for about... I don't know, four to six days or so in uh, November and December of 2012. Really cool time of year to be out there. And we were fortunate, I think east of the Sierra Nevadas, we had uh, that rain shadow uh, so that it was just a lot drier on that east side of California than it was on that coastal side of the Sierra Nevadas when we were there a few weeks before that. But a cool thing about this campsite, if uh, you guys were to bother to look it up, it actually matches the Brunhilde scene from Django Unchained. If you were to watch that, we found that out, I think, uh, right after we had camped here at the spot, then we had watched the movie Django just a few months later, and we were like, whoa, wait a second. We had just been to that spot, that exact spot right there, right where this uh, picture was taken. I think I think there's a scene where it shows like Jamie Foxx sitting over on the, the rock that is currently the, uh, the kitchen table in this scene. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of interesting. I think it, the shot was set up a little different, but it was really cool to see, and you're like, wow. That's right where we used to be. Interesting when you find out a spot that you were where something else was filmed. And it seems like a remote kind of campsite like this. But I'm sure over the years, thousands of people have been there. You can check out more information at BillyNewmanPhoto.com. You can go to BillyNewmanPhoto.com forward slash support if you want to help me out and participate in the value for value model that uh, we're running this podcast with. 
if uh, you receive some value out of some of the stuff that I was talking about, you're welcome to uh, help me out and send some value my way through the portal at billynewmanphoto.com forward slash support. You can also find more information there about uh, Patreon and the way that I use it. If you're interested or, or feel more comfortable using Patreon, that's patreon.com forward slash billynewmanphoto. As we move into 360 video, it's just real, a whole new threshold or 4K 360 video. It's this whole threshold of stuff that uh, I've not really worked on in media before. And I've not really, um, I guess what would it be? Like, I haven't rendered it. Or I haven't, I haven't brought a, a 360 video file. I haven't ever brought a 360 video file into like Final Cut Pro before. So I was trying that out this weekend and I had to upgrade a lot of stuff. I had to upgrade uh, my Mac to uh, Mac OS High Sierra, which has been out for a long time. But I've, I've been kind of delaying on that because I wanted to... Well, I just had a stable system, and I try and use my computer for work a lot of times, so I really don't try and do updates that I don't have to do with some stuff, and uh, I don't know. It's good that I waited six months to put ICR on it, but it runs fine. It runs stable, and really, I was most interested in trying to work on this 360 video project, which takes Final Cut 10.4, which is uh, where they bring in some of those features for 360 video and VR editing and production. So it was kind of cool trying to check out, but oh my goodness, is that 13-inch MacBook of mine really struggling when it tries to render out even just one minute of footage or when it tries to render in a, a 360 graphic element that's supposed to exist, um, you know, in, in, like on a dimensional plane. It's interesting. You can put, you can like put text out into space in the three, or the, the in the three-dimensional, well, not three-dimensional, but in the 360 space, you can look to the north, let's say, and see words that are printed or, you know, some kind of graphic that's laid out there and rendered into the frame, I guess is what you would call it, or, or into, the, into the virtual environment. It's just sort of stuck there. And so as you look around, as the video elapses, you'll see, you'll see this graphic object layered into the frame. And uh, I can only imagine what kind, of, what kind of processing it takes to really produce some of those effects in the back end. It's amazing that we're able to make, what is it? Equirectilinear images? Equirectilinear, I think, is the format. I don't know. It's one of the formats that you see. That's where you see, like, the stitching of the two 180-degree images sort of melded together. And um, it's really interesting looking at that footage. And I guess a phone is a pretty effective viewer for it in the, in the moment. But uh, I'm looking at, at other stuff like the... Uh, I think it's the Gear... Not the Gear VR. Well, there's the Gear VR, the HTC Vive... There's, uh, like, the Oculus. I think it's Oculus, right? The Oculus VR. There's, like, a cheap one now. I was really impressed. Or, uh, like, it was, like, $200. It was, like, $199 to get, uh, to get a screen and goggles um, to do some of this uh, 360 video experience. And I'm trying to think about, like, vis- business ventures that are sort of attached to this with, uh, with a new medium that's sort of approaching. Like, I think a couple years ago it was uh, the advent of, um, of aerial drone footage. You know, before then you had to get a helicopter and a gimbal, and that's a $100,000 shot to get, to get aerial footage over your property or, you know, whatever it is. And so now it's, it's just so much more... I don't know, possible than it used to be. I, I remember, I remember watching. Uh, I don't know. I think there was like a movie that had this gimbal shot, and they t- they talked about it in the, in the uh, 
you know, the behind the scenes stuff where they had this cable camera that ran for like 200 yards as it sort of swept in and, uh, and sort of did this one shot through this long sweeping intro uh, into like this, um, you know, this big opening scene. But they had this big cable camera it ran across a football field, basically, you know, a, you know, a whole action field. And, it, and they pulled this camera across. So it'd be this smooth kind of gliding shot that was just a little bit, I don't know, 20, 30 feet above everyone. And they couldn't really pan it with just a crane. So they're talking about technically how they engineered this shot. And this was back in, I don't know, 1999, 2000. And now it's, it's just a, that's an amateur ability where you can get a drone with a gimbal and put it 20 feet in the air and have it follow in for 200, 300 feet and have a, a perfectly still 4k image that that tracks in on a party or you know looks really um cinematic or you know any anything like that it's just amazing what kind of options there are now with uh, with the way you're able to develop media and so it's cool thinking about uh just the level or the simplicity that we'll be able to to work in rendering or work in producing 360 or virtual reality footage or drone footage 10 years on from now like um if you think about it for a moment like 10 years ago it was pretty hard to to drop in high, like high definition footage onto your laptop or computer uh, to like render out about 2008, April 2008, May 2008. That was still like a pretty comp. There was, it was starting to happen. HD or, you know, amateurly recorded HD footage was starting to happen, but really it was, it was pretty rare to get HD cameras on the market for inexpensive prices uh, in that era. It was still all standard definition stuff. I mean, while I was in college uh, doing new media stuff, all the camera project or you know all the video projects that we worked on were all in standard def it was really a, a an interesting invention that we switched over to 16 by 9 for for a lot of the you know the, the standard output of a lot of the files that we'd render when i started uh the first camera like the first camcorder i was really working with uh was a was a canon xl1 in like the 2002 to 2006, seven era. And uh, man, a fantastic camera. I think there was like a lot of documentaries that were put together. That, you know, it was a real workhorse kind of professional camera. And I was really fortunate to be a person in Southern Oregon getting to work with that level of video technology back uh, in the early 2000s. It was, it was really a, a cool opportunity that I had. Um, and then kind of thinking about that now, just uh, the level of like, wow, okay, so we moved on from standard definition. We moved on from the four by three aspect ratio. We moved on from tape media or from AVI capture files and, you know, capture card systems. And so all that's kind of uh, transitioned into a much simpler uh, H.264 ProRes file systems, you know, digital file systems that are easier to upload, easier to, to write to a, a computer. And uh, amazing what processors can do now too just in the in the the level of of work that they're able to output and what's interesting is like um, this so 10 years ago the difficulty of rendering hd footage that we had that's similar to now 10 years later in 2018 the difficulty i'm having trying to render out this 360 degree footage that's uh, that's been recorded and uh, it's just so much you know you can imagine it's like a, a an hd video in front of you now this is a 4k video that's all around you and uh, it just seems like, you know, it just seems like dozens more, um, I don't know, it just seems like a way bigger file to render out. I guess that's really what it is. 4K files are real big. And for this virtual reality 360 thing, it really seems like you need that level of re resolution so that when you look in any particular spot, uh, you know, through like a VR headset, you get a full resolution image from that, that single vantage point that you're looking at. And... Um, when I was talking earlier about ventures or, you know, business ventures that I'd like to incorporate into the 360 video idea, I was really thinking a lot about like, um, 
like wedding photography events. So, you know, there's, there's wedding videographers, but I'm thinking now with, um, with like the release of the, just this season, the release of the, the GoPro 360 fusion, which has, um, I think it's like an integrated digital gimbal support. So as you, as you move the camera around through three-dimensional space, uh, the, the camera kind of digitally re- reacts to the motion that you've created. And so it sort of stabilizes that. So I guess consider you're, you're walking and you're taking steps. And so you, you kind of have a, a, a trot to the, the motion of the camera. Well, I guess apparently this gimbal is supposed to, this digital gimbal doesn't mechan or it doesn't, you know, work in the real world but it just it takes the video file and it i guess it's able to gimbal it whatever that means but it's able to smooth that out and uh, stitch it together so that uh, you know you kind of lose a lot of that shakiness to the video i guess they've had stabilization for years but uh, apparently they're they're explaining at least that it might be a different level of it so it might be an interesting thing to check out but what i was hopeful to do was um you know try and do something where you'd you'd record uh, like a, a 360 video of let's say like a wedding ceremony and then as a as an offer to a bride and groom you, you give them a headset and you give them the 360 experience so that they can either I guess give that to family that wasn't there perhaps really that's just like a Facebook opportunity in, in a big way like because you can just share those videos um, uh, you know share those videos online and, and kind of see them uh, digitally through the browser which is a really exciting thing about social media sharing YouTube 360 Facebook 360 and I think Vimeo 360 are all video sharing platforms where you can you can view that content um, in a browser. I think Chrome works the best for it right now. I had a lot of trouble in Safari viewing 360 browser stuff, but um, but real interesting stuff. And it's been kind of cool. I was trying to think though, yeah, like oh, it'd be cool. Yeah, set up uh, for the you know set up a 360 video, and then years from now you can come back. It goes a big truck, but years from now you can come back and and uh, like put on goggles or, or view just everything that was happening at a wedding but it's a really immersive experience i thought it'd be kind of cool so um i guess all that's to say i rented a uh a gopro 360 fusion i think it should be here this week so i'm going to try and run through and, and put together like a portfolio of 360 images and uh, and 360 videos from a lot of the locations uh you know a lot of the natural outdoor landscape locations that i've uh, sort of come to learn about over the last 10 years of doing uh, landscape photography across oregon and the northwest so i'm hopeful to try and do that over like the memorial day weekend i think it's going to be kind of fun uh trying to hit it hard thanks a lot for checking out this episode of the billy newman photo podcast hope you guys check out some stuff on billynewmanphoto.com few new things up there some stuff on the homepage, some good links to other other outbound sources some some links to books some links to some podcasts links to some blog posts all pretty cool but yeah check it out at billy thanks a lot for listening to this episode of the podcast talk to you next time